1: Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Welcome in. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me is my fellow football priest, who you know, who you love, Zach Kelberman. Zach, uh, there are a few interesting things to get into tonight relative to Sean Payton, uh, you know, having a day to work out his hormones. We talk about that a lot on the show relative to the gut reaction. He had a day to kind of reflect a little bit on what he said and what he did and the heat of the of the moment in Detroit, the fog of war, maybe a better way to put it. Uh, and then today, of course, peppered right out of the gates on the conference call about the whole rust thing. What did you make of his, I mean, he did try to address it mostly to kind of gloss over it and hopefully just move on but they he, he did keep getting brought back to it what were your thoughts on what he said and I can read later a couple of the things
2: yeah I had kind of the same read on it you did he was he's trying to tamp it down and make it go away but you, when something like that happens with Russell Wilson of all quarterbacks it's not going to go away so fast and I think he's still beating around the bush as to the impetus of that blow up and he's not at liberty to really reveal the nature of it you know Russell Wilson was asked uh, after the game if he believes that Sean Payton still has confidence in him and Russ goes yeah I mean of course why wouldn't he so I'm taking a more optimistic maybe naive approach and just chalking it up to the emotions of a game uh, the emotions of a bad sequence of events that went against the Broncos and hopefully they'll uh, learn from it and be
1: better on Sunday So real quick, guys, uh, any burning topics, questions, stars, supers, get them in the chat early tonight because we're starting uh, a little bit earlier for Zach and I anyway, because I got to bounce out of here for a a event for one of my kids, you know, a Christmas thing. So that being said, like uh, Zeus McPeak, the first face etched on the MHH Mount Rushmore is doing right now. Get it in early. We will get to it. Love you, Stu. Hope you're doing well. Give our best to your awesome family and happy holidays. Merry Christmas season anyway. It's not Christmas yet, but you get my drift. It says, hi, all bum- uh, bummed about the loss. Hopefully they write the ship Saturday night. Indeed. Indeed. Um, Zach, your thoughts for, for Stu and then a couple things I want to get from what Sean Payton actually said today.
2: Well, Stu, don't gather around the TV on Saturday. The Broncos game is on Sunday night, Christmas Eve against the Patriots. And uh, I mean, I echo what you're saying here. It's a super disappointing, deflating loss. I think every player and coach would admit that. But all they can really do is what Sean Payton said. It's going to be tough to swallow right now, but it'll pass. We'll get over it and we have to regroup. He gave them the day off today to kind of rest and uh, regain their bearings. And he's hoping that they'll be more energized. That was something that a few people have used, that word, the lack of energy, the lack of Um, morale uh, for the game. Maybe it was three straight road games and three games in 14 or 13 games, days, whatever it was, excuse me. Uh, But they have to be wholesale improved in every phase against the
1: Patriots or else that could be another L. I think it's fair to surmise, Zach, that the fact that it was the last of three road games and the fact that this one in particular was a short week, you know, they had to, basically microwave their preparation week by one day. I think those things played a role in what we discussed last night, as far as, you know, I'll listen to any argument about the lions being a more talented team or this unit of the lions being more talented than that unit of the Broncos or whatever. But I think the biggest gap yesterday was between the year stuff, want to intensity, uh, will to win all that stuff. And that's where the the lions really excelled. But Stu, we love you, dude. Thank you, my brother. Um, Here's what, I'm not going to read the entire first quote when he was asked, hey, is there anything, coach, that you'd handle differently on that goal-to-go situation in the third quarter and the implication being kind of and what you did slash said to Russ. I won't read the whole part, but he after he kind of details why he didn't challenge uh, uh, Javante, he thought maybe there was a shot possibly of Jalil being able to uh, challenge that one. But being that it happened on second down and he had a third and a fourth down, as far as he was concerned, that close, because Jaleel got it down to the one, it was like, ah, I'm going to take my chances. And obviously, um, you know, hindsight is 2020. He would have probably challenged it if he could go back in time. But he closed this particular uh, section of his remarks, Zach, by saying the anger uh, and frustration in that sequence comes from the fourth down call and the touchdown, and what was later called a penalty. All of a sudden now, we're sitting at fourth and call it six instead of fourth and a half yard. We're trying to get within two scores, and it's an important sequence relative to the game and trying to climb back in it, close quote.
2: You know, sometimes politician Peyton comes out and he talks himself around something without saying much, and this is one of those situations. I think his he's too prideful. He has too much ego. Um, to admit faults or or give the media what they want, which is a black and white answer as to what happened, Chad. Um, If I had to take a guess, though, knowing just how he tends to outsmart himself, knowing how prideful he is, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't challenge because he just assumed that the Broncos were going to score on one of those plays regardless. And when it got to fourth down, he was angry again, either at himself or the offense or whoever, that it wasn't being executed that way. But it still fell on him, Chad, you know, confidence or not bravado, whatever. If you think your player got in, throw the challenge flag. That's why they exist. It's why they're there on your person during a game.
1: What's interesting about that, Zach, is he said, quote, I'm one to throw a challenge flag and burn them and use them, but I didn't feel strong enough that we had crossed the goal line, specifically talking about the Jalil play. He didn't think Javante, well, he didn't feel like he had a good enough angle to judge that one. Um, Zach, later when he was pressed, hey, do you have anything more? This was, I think, Cliss giving him credit, 9 News, Mike Cliss kind of pressing coach Payton a little bit on, Hey coach, do you have anything more to share about your uh, interaction? I'll call it more of a one-sided altercation with Russell Wilson on the sideline, quote, coach Payton, quote, nothing more to share. It's certainly in game intensity and heat of the moment and all those things, nothing more to add. So he's, you're exactly right, Zach, that it's not his style to go mea culpa, uh, uh, tail between his legs to placate the media, especially when, He's kind of, even though he spent that one year in the media, he's never been a guy, Zach, that is beloved by the media. You know, I've talked to a lot of colleagues that have covered him now in New Orleans, and you look at his first year in Denver. He doesn't, A, he doesn't make your job any easier as media to cover him. He puts a lot of kind of restrictions. There's certain things that teams are forced and mandated to do relative to media, uh, uh, you know, opening the door to certain media things they have to do. But a lot of teams, Zach, they keep they kind of stretch the bounds of some of that stuff in the interest of good faith and, hey, we, it's better to have our team covered than not and all this stuff. Sean Payton takes those that gray area where most teams are kind of letting media lean into it and maximize, and he shrinks it down to the bare minimum of what he is absolutely required to do <laughs> relative to NFL rules. And then, you know, sometimes at the podium, he can be a little short. He can be a little bit of a curmudgeon and not very patient with anybody. And so now that, you know, there is a a moment of crisis or what you might call a controversy, knives are out. Just kind of circling back to
2: the quote that he gave about the challenge. Did he say, it's not my style, to challenge?
1: Was that? No, he said that it's, it's, uh, he said, quote, exactly what he said here is, um, my history... A relative, So he said, I'm one to throw, meaning I'm one who you normally would. I'm one to throw a challenge flag and burn them and use them. But I didn't feel strong enough that we had crossed the goal line. It certainly looks close. My history relative to them changing that type of call has been average at best. So he's kind of maybe adding fuel to the
2: fire that the officiating crew doesn't really uh, take too kindly to old Sean Payton. Either way, it sounded like a contradiction, Chad. If he's so inclined to throw the flag, then throw the freaking challenge flag. I thought he said he wasn't inclined to do it. And then I was going to say, what else do you have to lose? The worst that can happen is you lose it. You lose a timeout, but you give your offense a breather, a chance to regroup and maybe call in a better play uh, for that next down.
1: Um, let's uh, say hello here to the Ronk. We got Mike in the house. So good to see you, saying good evening to everybody and MHH. Much love and respect, Big Dog. Always appreciate you. Uh, George Fox jumping in with some star support on uh, Facebook. Good to see you, George. He says, Merry Christmas to all of Broncos country and Happy New Year. Thanks to MHH crew for the greatest pod. Denver Broncos for life, MHH for life. Thank you, George. Right back at you, Big Dog. Uh, Merry Christmas. And obviously, lots more to get to. Uh, we'll see what else is on your mind in the chat. But before we do, guys, we got to remind you, all right? You got to make the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, you know who it is, Little Caesars, a part of your game day. It's certainly a huge part of what we do here at my house, both on game day in the middle of the week. We're running, we're busy, kind of like tonight. We got something cooking with the kids. There's an activity. There's this, there's that. Perfect opportunity. Just bring home pizza instead of trying to get home and spend an hour and a half in the kitchen. Little Caesars comes in clutch and it's always tasty uh, and it's always a lot of options to choose from order online during our pizza pizza pregame one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs plus all day Sunday and get ready for some football and fun. You choose your favorite little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. And either way you win.
2: And speaking of winning Chad, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the next Broncos game.
3: Amen to that. All right.
1: Where are we at? We're at uh, 615. Okay. Uh, Myachi in the house with a super chat. What's going on, brother? Welcome. Good to see you. I believe you have super chatted before, but uh, it's been a minute since I've seen you. So welcome. Thank you. Really appreciate you helping us keep the lights on. He says it feels pointless to discuss Russell Wilson's future if there's no clear alternative. The same people who want Jarrett Stidham. We'll be quick to point fingers as soon as things don't go as planned. Yeah, I just, especially the way this offense has kind of been built by Peyton to cater to Russ's strengths and weaknesses. I just don't know how uh, satisfied Broncos fans would be if Stidham was all of a sudden thrown in. However, the caveat to that, Zach, is that last preseason game that he started for the Broncos, I was... uh reminded i'm like oh gosh he actually he is a lot better of an athlete than you might think so maybe maybe i'm kind of uh overblowing that a little bit i i tend to uh take my stance here
2: it's it's pointless to speculate what the broncos are going to do we've laid out the options we've given our takes and our opinions on what we think the broncos should do moving forward at quarterback but until these next three games uh, conclude and we get a clearer picture of how the Broncos stand and how Russell Wilson's playing to end the year. It's um, it's verbal masturbation, I think, Chad.
1: There you go. There's a word of the day for you, everybody. Uh, Joe Rivas in the house. Good to see you on Facebook, my friend. Appreciate you. He says, great stuff, fellas, covering our Broncos. Thank you. He says, I try to watch all your videos on YouTube. Thanks again, big dog. Uh, let's try to win out, especially beat them Raiders. Hashtag Broncos country. Yes, indeed, Phil. And yeah, if you lose to the Patriots, your season's over. Yeah. It could be over by virtue of the Lions loss, even if you win out. Eric Trickle has an article coming out tonight. Watch for that at milehighhuddle.com. But if you do, I'm touching what as I say this, lose to the Patriots on Sunday night, then it's all about snapping the streak. The, the Raiders currently have, which is a seven-game win streak. Phil, down in Tucson, love you, big dog. Thank you so much. He says, Sean Payton, he says, good evening, Chad and Zach, Deacon Scott. Payton got out coached. Comparing, as of today, the last four teams we played, how do the next three match up? Good question, bud. Uh, hashtag Buckham, go Broncos, MHH for life, win out. Compared uh, to the last four teams, which would be what? The Browns, Vikings, Chargers, Lions. Am I missing one? That's it, I think. So you get the Chargers again, and you get an Eastern Stick probably, uh, quarterback there. So that's fortuitous. I mean, unless as Zach brings up often, somehow the Chargers are able to channel some Rich Basaccia energy, et cetera. Uh, but none of the remaining opponents, uh, really, Zach, are as balanced. Uh, roster-wise and just overall as any of the teams the Broncos vanquished, you know, removing the Chargers from that previous four. But it's the NFL. Anything could happen. The good thing here is you're going against backup quarterbacks in all three situations. Bad news, Zach, is Bill Belichick, you know, they're both – it's both Belichick and Sean Payton are sprigs off the Bill Parcells coaching tree, so they have a lot of the same philosophical – Outlook on things, and obviously Belichick has evolved into something bigger and greater than Parcells ever was, I would argue anyway. And uh, you could even make an argument that Peyton did, uh, especially, you know, 15 years in New Orleans. But Sean Payton, Zach, last thing that I'm serving this over to you, he talked about when he first uh, landed in Denver, how much time he spent early in the Saints, his Saints uh, regime, studying Belichick and the Patriots because that was coming on the heels of the first kind of dynasty, if you want to call it that, where they won three Super Bowls in four years. And he talked about he used that uh, metaphor about, hey, if you're a pizza shop and the pizza shop across the street has a line out the door and, you know, you've got one or two people in your joint, you might want to get over there and try and figure out what the what the secret sauce is or what the crust recipe is, et cetera.
2: Well, Phil, I think I don't think any. Two teams are real comparable in the NFL, and what the Broncos have in front of them, they haven't really faced over the course of their winning streak. I mean, you could break it down by team. The Patriots are pretty bad this year, especially on offense with Bailey Zappi and Ezekiel Elliott at running back. But credit to Bill Belichick, who might be fired or he might retire whatever after the year. His defense is still humming along. They gave Patrick Mahomes fits yesterday, picked him off twice. It is not going to be easy, and you know Belichick is going to game plan to take the Broncos' rushing attack away and make Russell Wilson beat them, not just on the line of scrimmage but down the field. It could be a tough matchup. The Chargers, I mean, the Broncos just faced them and beat them. They have Easton Stick, an interim head coach. The Raiders, though – They're the feisty bunch. They have the Broncos number. It's the end of the year, last game of the season. They're going to want to spoil the Broncos playoff odds if the Broncos are still in the mix by that point. But someone asked me during the Chargers-Raiders game, and they said, Zach, are you still worried about the last game of the season? Does this influence your opinion? And my answer was, if they can't beat Aiden O'Connell and Antonio Pierce to get into the playoffs, they don't deserve to be there anyway. Yep. So these are three games. And I know we can't use gimme for the Broncos. We can't use they're supposed to beat in this kind of season, but these really are teams the Broncos are supposed to beat. And if they have any designs of getting to the playoffs.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially Zach, if you, if you uh, considering the one and five start, if this team at least finishes 500 or even one game over, that's a victory and it's a step in the right direction. I think Peter says, thank you, Peter, by the way, appreciate the super. What are your thoughts on if we win out, but still miss the playoffs? That's kind of what I'm getting at here. Zach is, you know, especially with how things started. It's not, I'm not talking moral victories. I'm talking 10,000 foot meta. Are we trending in the right direction? Avoiding a, what would be a seventh straight losing season. I'm starting to lose track of the numbers here. Uh, it would at least be a plus and show that you're moving in the right direction. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Peter, thank you, big dog. Really appreciate you. Uh, that's – I can't tell what guitar you're rocking there. It looks like maybe an Ibanez, but uh looks dope, dude. Uh, Merry Christmas right back at you. I think uh, the Papa Bear in the house rocking his Buckham T-shirt like a boss. Love it. But, Zach, what do you think about uh, – we're, we're two – We still have too much on the table to spend that much time talking about moral victories and what does it all mean and whatnot. But if they do miss the playoffs and let's say they finish, I mean, I'm looking at the AFC West right now. Let's say the Broncos, who are seven and seven, you know, they let's say they lose one more. All right. So they end up nine and eight. What would your 10,000 foot view be knowing how the season kind of coalesced from a one and five hole to how things ended? Nine and eight. I mean, you took down Kansas City. You had a winning record for the first time since
2: 2016. It looks like you have the head coach. The head coach made somewhat of lemonade with the quarterback. Uh, I would take it as a a success because that's the expectation in the post-Pat Bolin era. I always talk about the Pat Bolin standard, Chad, but... Uh, unfortunately Mr. B is not around anymore and we would all, I think, you know, be happy. Most of Broncos country is just happy that there's competitive, meaningful football in December, that the Broncos aren't eliminated uh, at this point. So if they go nine and eight, hopefully you take down the Raiders and that streak, you already took down Kansas city. I would consider that a win though. I'd be a little disappointed considering the winning streak they had if they didn't sneak into the wildcard round because Chad week one, week two, the Jets game, the Texas game, those are all there for the taking. And those could be the games that you know, make or
1: break the Broncos playoff. And, and I don't want to get too much into revisionists and what it what shoulda coulda and all that stuff, ifs and buts, yeah. coconuts, all that. But do you remember how we talked about how crucial it was going to be for this team to make hay in that first quarter of the season? Can you imagine if the Broncos had handled Washington and if they had handled the Raiders to open? I mean, there's two additional wins right now. You're looking at a nine and five record Uh, and then maybe you don't lose to the jets. There's a 10 and four record currently you could afford right now to not be panicking. But again, that's why in the NFL, it's one of the great things about the league and why one of the many reasons it's King of the Hill, which is every single regular season game is meaningful as opposed to whatever it is, 160, something of MLB 82 in the NBA, Not to say they don't count, but they don't individually hold the same level of importance. And Broncos really missed an opportunity to capitalize on that early season schedule.
2: That's the Sean Payton uh, trademark, apparently. Is this team starts slow, and we all figured there'd be speed bumps and and hiccups, and there, there certainly was. It's you look back on it, it's bittersweet. You're happy the Broncos made a run, that they've become a competitive football team, but you're always gonna wonder what if, what if they sacked Jimmy G, what if they didn't blow that lead against uh, Washington, what if they, you know, showed up against Nathaniel Hackett? It's another year of what if, Chad.
1: Indeed, uh, George Fox again. Thank you, buddy. No matter what happens in the last three games, we now have a team that can win. Go Broncos, exactly, dude. And that's that's one of the things that has been good to see. Come what may, whether the Broncos win or not, uh, and make the playoffs, it's been really refreshing for it to matter again. Yeah, I mean, it's always mattered to us, but I mean, matter relative to AFC playoff picture, the AFC West, which. You know, there's a lot of national media people and especially a lot of people in uh, a certain town in Missouri trying to dunk on the Broncos and Broncos media for even like trying to speak into existence at all the fact that the AFC West could possibly be wrested away from the Kansas City Chiefs. And look, it's still actually possible. It's, It's not likely, but it's still possible. The Chiefs play the Bengals Raiders Chargers. I think they have basically the same final three opponents, Zach, as the Broncos, just flip uh, Bengals and Patriots. But I digress a little bit here. The point is, at least it matters for the Broncos this time around. I mean, we're used to the team, even though they're not mathematically eliminated, by Thanksgiving, we know uh, this ain't happening this year. You know, like by that point, we know quite well it ain't happening. The closest thing we've had to this post Kubiak was the Case Keenum 2018 season where they went on a little bit of a run, uh, like uh, late October, early part of November, thanks to Philip Lindsay before.
2: Yeah, we got Ted Wunderlich here, 499 Super. Thank you so much, Ted. Let's see the positives here. Our new low point is only 25-point loss rather than 50. We've cut it in half. 10-7 and seven still in sight. MHH for life. I, pre- I appreciate the humor, Ted. I'm sure you're being sarcastic here. And, you know, The last comment said the Broncos learn how to win games again, but they still have to learn to win consistently. You're going to suffer defeats. You're going to have your your back blown out occasionally by an opponent, Detroit, Miami being two. But there's also games where it's a one-point margin, two-point margin, or you're up 21 points that you just can't let those victories get away. You can't snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. So until the Broncos learn how to do that, to me, that separates them from a borderline playoff team to a perennial contender.
1: Well said. Thank you, Ted. Good to see you tonight, Big Dog. And uh, yeah, I'll piggyback off of that by saying nobody beats the Broncos 17 times in a row. It just doesn't happen. Okay. Uh, but thank you again, Ted. So good to see you. Uh, a couple hellos real quick. I want to shout out uh, Big Earn in the house, giving props, uh, Broncos country only. It's good to see you tonight, Big Earn. Shout out to Albert Knoppers. Uh, give our best to the missus. Hope you guys are doing well. Merry Christmas to you. A shout out to uh Jeff Andrews Pizza Pizza indeed big dog really appreciate you a uh, good seeing you tonight and then this one here from Pearl saying hey I feel even if the Broncos do not make the playoffs they're so much better with Sean Payton and we have next year to look forward to love the Broncos indeed uh I think that has been made quite clear if nothing else up to this point is Sean Payton has been the right hire he's a net positive You know, you fail to make the playoffs this year, Zach, there will be questions. Um, Even if you make the playoffs, there will be questions at quarterback and whether this still is an ideal quarterback situation for Sean Payton. And, you know, we'll look forward to tackling all those conversations when the time comes. But I think it's pretty clear that they finally made the right hire. And this was something that you and I anticipated as being the right hire because we're talking about the Walton Penners coming from the cold, hard capitalist, you know, Uh, realities of a production-based business. You'd think the NFL is, what about retail? And so they're going to make sure they hire the best guy. And I think so far, the early returns show that it's pretty clear, net positive, Sean Payton. Absolutely.
2: Even the biggest skeptic would admit that. But here's what I don't want to happen. Regardless of whether they make the playoffs or not, I don't want Sean Payton and the Broncos to get complacent. I don't want them to go into 2024 with a status quo mindset, kind of like the Giants from 22 to 23, they made the playoffs with Daniel Jones and they kind of just kept him as their starting quarterback. They met the status quo. The Broncos, yeah, they're improved, but they have a priority list and a shopping list that's about this big right now. Quarterback is on there, inside linebackers on there, defensive end is on there. A tight end is on there. They're going to need some serious personnel help. So they have the coach, but they still have work to do to get to that point. Like I talked about, Chad, of becoming a perennial contender.
1: Uh, Miguel, good to see you, big dog. Thank you for the super chat, my friend. Love you. He says, what's up, fellas? With Joey's con- uh, contract coming up, can you see Denver shooting for a, I think he means Josie, yeah, shooting for a linebacker in round one. So Josie Jewell is got three games left as a Bronco under contract. Broncos could bring him back. Um, they they did it once before. This GM did now, not Sean Payton, but George Payton did. Um, meanwhile, Alex Singleton, who is among the league leaders in tackles and missed tackles, is under contract again next year. So there could be some turnover. Scott talks about this a lot. Drew Sanders clearly not quite ready for the for the limelight. A lot of talent there, and I think as long as he continues to co- get coached up and develop, there's a, a future. But if you Arguably, Zach, even if Josie was under contract, you've got a linebacker issue. Certain teams you this this duo can't keep up, especially in coverage. So is it feasible to to think linebacker in round one? And I'll also remind everybody, last linebacker this team drafted in the first round was DJ Williams back in 04. Just as an aside, it blew my mind today that Josie Jewell had press
2: availability, and he was railing to the media about how the NFL uh, refined him or repunished him for his finger gun celebration. It's like, bro, you just got, you got... Blown out by 25 points. You miss tackles left and right. Nobody cares about your stupid finger guns. And I know, Miguel, you you had this question before I went off my last tangent, but inside linebacker is on my shopping list because they can't have two of the same player, and that's what you have, two-dimensional, if not one-dimensional guys in Jewel and Alex Singleton. You have to have someone that's a sure tackler, can make an impact play behind the line of scrimmage, and also wins in pass coverage. Josie Jewel is none of those things.
1: It's worth mentioning, too, and thank you, Scott, Mr. Producer, coming through. You know, the big boards out there, mock draft uh, database, the highest ranked on the big board, off-ball linebacker, inside linebacker, is Jeremiah Trotter of Clemson at 53, so barely inside the second round. So there might not be. We'll see. A lot can change with Combine and Senior Bowl and East-West Shrine and all that stuff. But there might not be an off-ball guy, Zach, that is really worthy of a first-round consideration. I think uh, really trying to figure out how to get this offense. Because the defense, look, it has its holes. You need a bona fide stud, like Superman pass rusher, and you're missing that. But this defense has gone large stretches. Even after that horrendous start, Zach, this defense went for a long stretch as literally the best unit in the league for about four weeks. When's the last time we've been able to say that about the Broncos offense, like ever, not since the days of Peyton Manning. So that's not a case in point on why they need to really figure out how to augment the offense and get the right tools there. But I think it probably is a decent harbinger to kind of count on in terms of trying to anticipate their thinking. Phil, thanks again, buddy. says, guys, three keys to beat New England and also any news on Benito. Zach, if you want to get started on uh, New England, I'm going to, I'm going to re what Peyton said today.
2: Yeah, number one is show up. It's another primetime game for the Broncos, and they look like they didn't even come out of the hotel in Detroit. So show up to that game. It's in the Broncos' home stadium, national audience Christmas Eve. That's number one. Uh, number two, you have to find a way to make Russell Wilson more of a game manager and make him more of a dynamic player preferably Russell Wilson solely will win the Broncos this game, because like I mentioned earlier, Belichick will scheme Russ out of this. He'll take the running game away and make you go downfield to beat you. He'll take Cortland Sutton away, P. Ryan away. Hey, you want to get Jerry Judy involved? You want to have Marvin Mims catch passes? Be my guest, something the Broncos have failed to do the entire season. Uh, Number three for the Broncos on defense is to watch out for the few playmakers New England has. They're a kind of a physical team. You don't care about Bailey Zappi. They do have Ramondre Stevenson, who may or may not play Zeke Elliott. Uh, they have a couple decent receivers in Demario Douglas, but they do have a tight end in Hunter Henry, who is Bailey Zappi's best friend. And the Broncos continue to struggle against tight ends. It's a much easier matchup on defense for them. Uh, it comes down to the Broncos offense for me and what they can do to combat
1: Belichick's acumen. And by the way, on the subject of Benito, I did double check the uh, Sean Payton presser today, and I remember him talking about an injury, but it was Dulcich, so we can talk about that too. No update on Benito, and yeah, you you use, you use could use, if you're the Broncos, every horse you've got relative to rushing the passer. I think as a as a group, when they're all healthy and available, they're formidable, but they're not necessarily a unit that opponents are like tripping on in preparation going oh my gosh like von miller circa 2014 15 16 where it's keeping guys up at night on the other side so that's to me that's one of if you're not going to draft offense early i mean honestly i wouldn't i would love first thing the broncos do if depending on where exactly they end up falling in the draft get a pass rusher man an edge guy uh troy thank you brother uh, he says, hey, brothers, uh, Well, by the way, this is the fond Donkey, PH Owen on Twitter. He says, hey, guys, the fact that other teams' fans are talking about us means we're relevant. Good point. Three wins, and who knows? And then upwards for next year. That's right. You never know. You know, the bottom line is the Broncos have to take care, of Zach, of their side of the street, and then from there, all you can do is let the chips fall, and that starts one game at a time, winning them all. You know, they won five in a row against significantly stiffer competition. So you would think, Zach, that this is doable. But the one thing I'll say, as much as I uh, uh, echo myself and what you've said again, it's the right guy. Sean Payton's been a net positive. The one thing that hasn't changed even amongst the, that run of success with this year's Broncos is you still can't really go into a game with confidence of really being – I mean, like in our mile-high roundtables every Friday, it really – I mean, dude – we're just kind of guessing at it you know there's it's educated guesses don't get me wrong but still like it's hard to really get a beat on what version of the broncos are gonna show up on a given game day because even in the games they've won zach it's like weird outlier type stuff one week and then you're like oh that was weird but at least they won and then the next week it's more outlier stuff but in a different area and you're like well hey at least they won so it's hard to say I can't wait till the day comes where at least you might not be able to predict Zach, if it's a win or a a loss, but you can predict what kind of uh, effort collectively you're going to see on the field. Yeah. I mean, being Jekyll and Hyde is fun, I guess, and new
2: and mysterious for a little while, Chad, but after seven years, it gets old pretty fast. When other teams' fan bases are talking, not all publicity is good publicity. People still refer to the Broncos as Dirty Denver and Clowning Russ and all that, but it does feel good to be relevant. It does feel good to not be the laughing stock of the NFL, but man, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want more than that, Chad. I want the Broncos to aspire to more and to achieve more than just being relevant in the NFL. Fully,
1: fully. but it also is, you know, Rome's not built in a day. You got to take steps. There was the, the hopes of this being like a full... Miracles turnaround season died when you went one and five. Now, if you still manage to make the playoffs, it still falls under the miracle category, but no longer. I think, especially after what we saw in Detroit, can you really count on that? Even like fifty percent, count on it like halfway. Kind of, you, know, you just got to take it game by game. Gary, the swashbuckler himself, would love you. At the GLP, good to see you tonight, brother. Thank you so much for all you do to support us. He says, "Just hoping that Santa delivers three more wins, go Broncos. That's all Broncos country wants for Christmas. Zach. Yeah,
2: better than a lump of coal? Like Broncos country's gotten the last seven Christmases, and you yeah. know, Gary, the actually Bron- not- last Christmas, remember that? Yeah, that was that was more than a lump, Chad. That was a whole big dump of coal right in that our was stockings. A dump of
1: coal, exactly." Yeah.
2: <laughs> But there's a there's a there's a chance, a better chance than not that the Broncos do win out and go ten and seven. At that point, at without factoring any other team, they would have seventy six percent seventy six percent odds to get into the postseason as a wild card. They need some help. They don't control their own destiny. But Gary, uh, that dream is still alive. Please,
1: Santa, let it happen. Guys, we're about out of time, but we always make time for the Duchess. You know it. We love you. She is one of the first two people, first two faces you see on the MHH Mount Rushmore. And yes, we will be dropping an updated 2023 uh, Mount Rushmore graphic or meme or whatever you want to call it uh, very soon here. And no doubt, Michaela will be right at the very tippity top. So love you. Appreciate you so much. So generous. From the top rope, she jumps in to say hi, Chad, Zach, Scott and MHH family. Biggest issue on offense is our running uh, – running, I'm not sure on that It's It's got awful and been awful all season, in my opinion. Now, run defense, I think, is what she's trying to say. I mean, because the, the rushing offense, Zach, has been at least solid and at times very productive, but it's been solid enough for Sean Payton and Russell Wilson to kind of lean on it through uh, – you know, the play action and some of the mobile stuff he likes to do, Russ running around and whatnot. But it is a persistent problem, what she's getting at here. Uh, yep, running game. Stopping the run, right, is what you're getting at, Michaela. If not, go ahead and clarify one last thing in the chat. But um, I'm not sure how much you can – I mean, Sean Payton talked about it today, like, hey, after you've watched the film, what are some of the things you saw that allowed uh, Detroit to to do what they did? And uh, he talked about the, the run fits were just ridiculously off. You saw a lot of missed tackles, Zach. A lot of just, it didn't feel like 100% effort. Um, but still, even when you get all those things, the D-line in particular is where there's a, a pretty big talent drop-off for the Broncos.
2: Yeah, and speaking to the offense, I, I'm pretty sure her question was, <laughs> she was wondering about the rushing offense as well. The issue is Javante is much as we love him, as much as we commend him coming back from the knee injury, he's not been himself. He's not been the same powerful, dynamic running back. He's basically a slightly better version of CJ. CJ Anderson goes down on first contact a lot, unfortunately. But it's also before that is the offensive line or ahead of them, whatever. Because when they don't get a push, nothing happens. The The pass protection breaks down. the The run blocking breaks down. They had a capital B bad game. The whole front five, they've been good to dominant for large portions of the season, but they were exposed and looked a lot like what we saw in 2022, Chad. Just a bunch of
1: pretenders out there. No doubt. Thank you again, Michaela. Love you so much. Um, Vote for Angelo jumping in on Super Chat, a newer name. Welcome. Thank you. you. Uh, I don't remember vote for Angelo. They caught you guys again implying that there was a previous like maybe first time super but do you remember that handle no either way we're stoked to have you thank you for the support so i caught you guys again do you think our o-line is a little overrated analytics say it's a top 10 unit so this is a nice uh book to the topic michaela uh had and we got to go here very very soon unfortunately but i would say that uh you know the o-line this year both as run blocking unit and as a pass blocking unit is leaps and bounds beyond what it's been in years past, which again to me is another sign of the Broncos heading in the right direction. I mean, not just from a production standpoint, Zach, but like think about it health-wise for this team to have the same starting five every game this deep into the season, like especially the preceding four years, unprecedented. So that's been really good to see. Um, But yeah, it's still got its warts. Let's just say that, Zach. This
2: is why you can't trust analytics to form your complete and total opinion on something, uh, because they've been playing well above expectation. They've been bleeding more out of that rock collectively than we thought they would. Uh, that would happen. But Mike McGlinchey, if you look on it on an individual basis, their talent as a whole is not top ten worthy. They've been getting better results from lesser talent like Lloyd Cushenberry, uh, like. Uh, Quinn Miners, even to an extent, he's been great this year, but he wasn't seen as an all pro before this season. Garrett Bowles was always a wild card. Mike McGlinchy. see, I I was hesitant, Chad, because he's an $87 million tackle, but he's not playing anywhere near that. He's been Mike McFlinchy uh, for the most, better part of the season so when they play above expectation and things break right they look like a top 10 unit but when a team game plans against them and breaks them down they look god-awful and they looked god-awful in detroit
1: amen to that sorry we got to cut things a little bit short tonight guys i gotta go uh i can't break my daughter's heart hope you understand this but uh, we got a few messages before we dip out
2: another tremendous episode of the mile high huddle podcast if you're not doing so please follow us on x or twitter whatever you want to call it at the mhh pod you can follow the main account at mile high huddle chad at chad and jensen myself at kelberman nfl and scott our producer at scout kennedy if you guys want some merch check out mhhmerch.com and get you some if you haven't drop us a like at facebook.com slash mile high huddle pod you can find us on instagram at mile underscore high underscore huddle And if you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure you're leaving your football pre a five-star review for a chance to win some merch each and every single month. But if anything, please subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos
1: fans just like you. That it does. Uh, And yes. Scott reminded me, yes, this is a first-time Super Chat. This is now number two, but tonight was the first time for Vote for Angelo. So, again, welcome. Connect with us on Twitter. Don't be a stranger. I feel like with no run game, says Vote for Angelo, the pass protection is lacking. Well, I think, again, like everything's symbiotic in the the game of football, um, but I think you just need a more explosive running back with – A little bit better vision and a lot of the seeming inefficiencies that it's easy to blame the O line on, but like Javante Williams, consistent in terms of his power, consistent in terms of his effort, but he does miss a lot of holes and he does run into contact a lot and he doesn't really explode. You know, like that's another aspect of the roster I think could use a little bit of an upgrade next year. That doesn't mean move on from Javante or that he won't get better. This is his first year back, Zach, from a harsh knee injury, and then we'll dip out.
2: I mean, yeah, they could use a more dynamic running back. They can use a quarterback who's not a caretaker for a large part of a game, a a more dynamic quarterback that can threaten a defense through the air. They can use better run blocking overall, better right tackle play, better center play at times. So, again, it's never black and white for me, Chad. When they have a collective disaster like that was the Lions game, it is always multiple factors at play, and we saw that
1: happen vote for angelo and all of our great subs whether you're new or been with us a long time just remember mile high huddle streams live every single day seven days a week 6 p.m mountain to 7 p.m mountain uh that hour you can expect a live stream the only exceptions to that are uh games like when the game is an evening game and it runs beyond that the show will come after the game or some holidays Lately, we used to not skip any holidays Zach and I would show up. We'd still rock. Lately, we've been taking a few of them off. We took this year's Thanksgiving. We'll probably take Christmas off, but not Christmas Eve because it's a gut reaction night. But anyway, much love and respect. Thank you, uh, Angelo. I'll just call you. And a special shout out to these great Super Chat superstars and supporters for helping us keep the lights on tonight. The Duchess, Michaela Parker, Michael Ronquillo, George Fox, uh, Miyachi, Phil McLaughlin, Peter Kast, uh David McElrath, Ted Wunderlich, uh, Miguel Santista von Troy uh, Gary vote for Angela of course much love and respect we'll see you guys Zach and I Thursday night you got content on the bright with Scott and Nick and then uh, building the Broncos uh, Mile High Insiders Wednesday night then we're back Thursday
2: have a great start to your week we'll see you Thursday night take care and as always go Broncos
0: head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos